0: In the name of Jesus, Amen. Today we have such beautiful words from the lips of Jesus. I would say maybe one of the most beautiful verses and promises in the Scriptures. But it comes to us in the middle of a really tumultuous and heated and vicious and ugly argument it comes between an awful sort of uh, a discussion between Jesus and what the scriptures here simply call the Jews John chapter 8 when you read this is chaotic <clears throat> it's going all over the place it's very hard to follow it is disorganized what's happening is that Jesus is preaching about repentance and the forgiveness of sins the pure and holy word of God for their salvation. He's trying to save them, to convert them, to make them His. And some Jews believed His word. And that's true. And it shows us in the scriptures. That means some of them heard Him and they became Christians. However, at the same time, some of them, in fact, the majority of them, didn't believe His word. And in fact, they didn't even want to hear it. So they were interrupting Him. And they were contradicting him while he was speaking. They were challenging every single thing he said. This would sort of be like if I were here preaching in church, right here on a regular Sunday morning like this. And then all of a sudden people start walking into the church and lining up on the sides of the walls and in the back of the church and sitting in the pews. And they start shouting or saying things out loud or challenging or mocking the sermon. As soon as I say one thing, then they go ahead and say another thing. So you you, you can just imagine how distracting and how chaotic and awful this is going to be and how difficult it is to follow such a conversation or such a discussion. That's what's happening in John chapter 8. There's this back and forth happening between Jesus and the Jews that keeps going back and forth. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then the Jews say, "You're, you're a liar. You're lying. He says, the father bears witness about me. And then they say, where's your father? As soon as he says says that. He says, the truth will set you free. And then they say, well, we've never been slaves to anyone. He says, you are not of God. And then they say, you have a demon. And then this whole discussion ends violently with them picking up stones to kill him. They wanted to kill him right then and there. They couldn't wait. And in the midst of all of this chaos, in the midst of all of this happening, Jesus says these beautiful words in John chapter 8, verse 51. He says, the English translations say, truly, truly, in in the, the, the Greek, it is clear, it is amen. So he says, amen, amen, I say to you, verily, verily, I say to you, if anyone, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. This is a beautiful promise, this is clear, this is direct, and it is a firm promise. The question is, who is he saying this to? Who is Jesus speaking to? Well, he says it in those words, he says, anyone, if anyone, if anyone, everyone, anyone who believes in this, who keeps my word, he will never see death, anyone. That time and all, throughout all time, if anyone keeps his word. <clears throat> this promises for all people but in the immediate context right then and there in John chapter 8 he says these words to the Jews who are fighting against him and so i want you to just keep that in mind for now last sunday we heard the text from John chapter 6 Jesus feeding the 5000 uh, that they and, and after the jews saw this they They rejoiced, and they wanted him to keep doing this, to keep giving them bread. They wanted to crown him with a crown of gold, and they wanted to make him king right then and there. That happened about a year before his crucifixion. One year before his crucifixion, he uh, feeds 5,000 with bread, and at that time, they want to crown him with gold. Uh, But Jesus rejected it, and the Jews were confused. They didn't understand They liked him, they liked the things he did, but they didn't like what he was saying. And so they had this tension and they were confused, but they still wanted him to be their leader. So that feeding of the 5,000 is about a year before he dies. But then John chapter 8 takes place six months later. That's the text we heard today. Six months after the feeding of the 5,000, six months before his crucifixion, the Jews were not just, they were not confused about Jesus or just disappointed in him. The Jews made up their mind about Jesus. They simply hated him. They could not stand him at all. They, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to get him to be quiet, to end his life right then and there. The scriptures say that this wasn't all the Jews. Some actually repented and believed and were Christians, but by by far, the, 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 the majority of those Jews hated Jesus with utter vitriol. And the question is why did they hate him so much? <clears throat> the Jews hated Jesus because he said things they didn't like. He spoke clearly and plainly, he spoke directly. He didn't mince words. He just simply spoke the truth with clarity. For example, th- these are just some excerpts of what Jesus says in John chapter 8. Just pay attention. He says this. He says, unless you believe that I am God, you will die in your sins. That means exactly what it says. He says, you are from below, and I am from above above. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. You you cannot mistake those words. He says, you don't understand what I say. It's because you can't bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason you do not hear them is that you are not of God. And so on and so forth. To be honest, this is very rough, and they're very clear and pointed and direct words. They're they're very hard to hear. But I have never, I have never read an evangelism book that tells you to do this. I've never read a book on pastoral care, or counseling, or preaching, that says, you ought to speak this way. They all say... You have to be gentle, you have to be kind, you got to craft your words kindly so that they can be taken in the best way, choose them carefully, be winsome, you got to be likable, you got to be charming, you got to be clever, give some sort of turn of phrase. Something like this, and what you want to do is you want want to avoid strong words. You want to avoid speaking so pointedly and directly about something like that, telling someone that they are indeed a sinner, or something of, of this nature. Coming, they warn you of coming off too strong in your preaching or in your evangelism or anything else. But Jesus doesn't take this advice. In fact, the Lord's chief concern above all else is not to be gentle. It's not what he's concerned about. He is not concerned about being winsome or nice or making or or not making things awkward. The Lord's chief aim is truth. His chief aim is clarity, is speaking clearly and saying the truth as clearly as possible. He he does not care how he comes across or how he sounds or what people think of him, whether they think he's a nice guy or he's mean or whatever this is. He only cares about the truth. Speaking it clearly because the truth alone is the thing that's going to set them free. It's going to rescue them from sin, death, and the devil. And yet as he speaks this truth with such clarity, he is met with such outrage, with such vitriol. But by the way, as Christians, we ought to imitate Christ. That's what the scriptures tell us to do. We imitate him. We don't go out of our way to be rude to people or combative or mean. We don't go looking for a fight. Rather, what we ought to do, we take our example from the Lord himself. We simply concern ourselves with the truth, with speaking clearly. And because you speak clearly the truth, then a thousand crosses and plagues will come your way. You will be persecuted simply for saying what is true. You don't have to be mean or aggressive about it. Just the truth. The truth will make the world angry. I know that's kind of not the best news to hear. But in another way, it's actually very liberating. Because we, none of you, no one on this planet is more winsome or gentle than the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't, we cannot figure out a way craftily to tell people the truth in such a way that they won't be angry at us. It can't be done. You you cannot do it. There is not a way to do it. The truth will make people angry. And if they got angry with Jesus for simply speaking the truth, who is the most loving person in the entire universe, then they will be angry with you when you speak the truth. So don't try to come up with a way to say, I'm just going to present this in such a way that nobody will be angry with me. I'm just going to speak the truth in such a way that nobody will be offended. You, you cannot do it. So don't focus on how you say it. Just focus on the truth and speaking clearly. That's it. I'm willing to bet that <clears throat> if, if many pastors and district officials and Senate officials heard this exchange between Jesus and the Jews and they didn't know who was speaking or the context or where it was from, I'm willing to bet that they would say something like <clears throat> whoever is speaking this way or talking that way is not being seeker-sensitive. Uh, they are not being evangelically-minded. They're not being winsome. That is no way to speak or preach or talk. That is... The, Whoever said that is not being missional. In fact, he's being unloving and legalistic, and he's closing doors. Some would maybe say, look, this man, whoever said these words, is more concerned with doctrinal purity than he is with loving his neighbor. And yet, there is no one who loves these Jews with a real, deep, and affectionate love way Jesus does. And this is how he talks to them. Because no one, no district or synod official, no bureaucrat, no church growth expert or pastor or father or mother or friend loves these Jews here in John 8 the way Jesus does because no one has died for their sins. No one bore their sins and suffered the wrath of God in their place. No one. Only Christ. No matter how loving they think they may be, no one has paid the awful penalty for sin as he has. Jesus loves them, he bears their sins, and in six months they crucify him, and yet he loves them so much that he willingly speaks the truth to them with the utmost clarity and truth, knowing that it will cost him his life. And he does not care. He cares only that they get the truth. Even if it costs him his life, even if if he's gasping for air on the cross with his final breath, that's what he will do. So we can conclude from this that loving people doesn't mean they won't get angry with us, especially when we speak the truth. The truth and telling people the truth is the most loving thing you can do. Just back to the text... Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil, he's talking to these Jews, and they get angry, and then they say back to him, they say, well, aren't we correct in saying that you're a Samaritan? I want to pause here, because I don't know if you know how horrendous this accusation is. It is horrendous. Calling him a Samaritan is not just a slur against Samaritans as a race or a people or something like this, saying that they're lower class or something. Yeah, that's part of it. But calling him a Samaritan is actually a slur against Jesus' mother. Against Mary. The mother of our Lord. They knew that Jesus didn't have at least a known earthly father. And so they are implying by those words that Mary slept around that she was promiscuous that she was a prostitute and that she slept around with some of the worst people Samaritans the most ungodly people that's what they're saying It is it is the worst kind of insult even more they say after that they say you have a demon they say, you're not of God. You are satanic. In fact, you come, whatever is coming out of you is coming from hell itself. Your words come from hell. And in fact, what you're trying to do is you're trying to lead people to hell. They say, you're a Samaritan. Your mother is a prostitute. You're demon-possessed. You're evil. A horrible, horrible person. And they say that to Jesus' face. I, I don't know how I would keep patience in the midst of those sort of accusations. And I don't know how any of you would either. And then in the midst of this, John eight fifty one. In the middle of them saying those things, after they say all of those evil things to him. Jesus then says, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. I've talked about this before. I've preached on this. The word keep here is not obey. Remember, the shepherds were keeping their flock by night. They were not obeying the flock. They were not obeying the sheep. They were guarding the sheep. They were keeping them close. They were keeping them near to them. That is the same word used here. Jesus isn't saying, if you obey the law, and then, then you will earn eternal life. If you just keep all of the Ten Commandments perfectly. He's not saying that. He's saying, if anyone hears my word and keeps it, treasures it, guards it, holds it in his heart, that alone, then he will never see death. That's what he's saying. He's talking about faith. And that is astounding because to the people who are spewing out the worst accusations, the most disgusting things ever said to the face of Christ the Lord... Some of the most vitriolic words. What does Jesus do? He opens his mouth and in the midst of it, he offers them a promise and he says, Amen, amen. I say to you, you, you who are saying this, if any one of you keeps my word, he will never see death. And then they slander him and tear him down, about to kill him with rocks, and he holds before them the promise of eternal life, forgiveness of sins, salvation, and everlasting life. That Jesus would say that, to them. That Jesus would even talk to them and he would continue that conversation and not call down fire from heaven immediately to consume them and cast them in hell forever. The fact that he, in the middle of that, gives the promise of eternal life to them. That is remarkable mercy upon them. What is he doing why is he even talking to people like this? Why? Why does he even waste his time? But that's what he's come to do. He has come to rescue us, even then. As I get ready to close, just consider the way that Jesus speaks even to his worst enemies. He doesn't call down fire from heaven or legions of angels even as they slander him. Rather, he holds before them the promise of eternal life once again, the only thing that he's trying to get through to them. He tells them the truth and the greatest and most glorious promise, you will never, you will never, you will never see death. You will die, but you will live, he tells them. And six months later, they mock him, and they strip him of all of his clothes, and they beat him, and they drive nails into his hands and his feet. And they crown him with thorns and they spit on his face. And from the cross, he cries out, Father, forgive them. For, forgive them. Dear Zion, this should give you hope and consolation beyond all measure. We have never seen anyone love anyone to this degree, ever. And this is how the Lord loves you. He loves you to this same degree. I don't think any of you have spoken this way to Jesus. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe privately. Maybe in your former life, uh, before you were a Christian. I, I don't know. But even if you have... Even if you have said the most vile and evil things to the Lord, if you've dishonored him, if you've sinned against him, you've hardened your heart against him, your foul and, um, and, and evil thoughts, your words, your deeds, your desires and beliefs, whatever it was, whatever evil opinions you held of the Lord or of his word or of his church or of Christians or any of this before, the Lord stands before you here today and he holds again the promise of salvation to you again. And he says, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And he tells that to you right now. He stands before you as the one who endured all mistreatment and shame and all disrespect and all sin, a pain that no human being has ever felt, being forsaken, forsaken by his Father on the cross. And he calls you then again into his loving arms to repent of your sins and to forgive it no matter what it is. And he longs for you to take all that he has given, all that he has for you. So, if you're hearing this, no matter what you've done, no no matter what you have done, it is not too late. Because where there is life and his word, there's still hope. The Lord Jesus himself lived and he died for you. More than that, he resurrected for you, he took away your sins. All of your guilt, He justifies you, wipes those sins away from from you forever. Erases them from the mind of the Father forever. And today you have His Word, so keep it and believe it and hold it dear in your heart. Keep this in your heart and you will do as the Lord has promised you. You will never see death. You will live forever. Amen, amen, I say to you, if anyone keeps my Word, he will never see death.